Bibles there to Psalm 107 for our Bible reading. If you don't have a Bible of your own, our ushers have Bibles available. Just raise your hand and they'll bring one to you that you can use throughout our service this morning. Psalm 107. Let's all stand in respect to the reading of God's holy word. Now we give attention to God's word. I'll read aloud and ask you to just follow along with me as I read. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons. For they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor, and they fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, for he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts into the bars of iron. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep, for he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits' end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm, to be, he made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet and brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works, to the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly 
of the elders. He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. He turns the desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water, and there he lets the hungry dwell, and they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruity yield. By his blessing, they multiply greatly, and he does not let their livestock diminish. When they were diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless wastes. But he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad, and all wickedness shuts its mouth. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Today, instead of me praying, I'm going to ask you to pray. I'm going to ask you to pray this way. We're going to take about three minutes out to pray. And you're going to offer all of us, each one of us together, out loud, praise to God. You might simply relook at this psalm. You might want to read verse 1 that says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And you might want to read that again and again. You might pick out another verse in this psalm, like verse 8, Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. Or you might want to put that in your own words. Oh, Lord, I thank you for your steadfast love. You might want to read a verse like verse 19. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Or you might want to put that in your own words. Lord, I cried to you for my trouble. I have cried to you, and I have seen your deliverance. However you want to word it. We're going to shout out to the Lord all together, not in unison, in the individual voices, in individual words, but together as we lift up praise to God. Now, if you're a long prayer and you hear me come on, then you can pray silently and I'll bring this to a conclusion. Let's pray. We give thanks to you, Father, for your love, for your steadfast love, for your mercy. We have seen it with our own eyes. We have experienced it in our own lives, and we simply want to say thank you. There are so many right here in this building that have experiences that they want to give thanks to you for. Remind us of what you've done for us. Us individually, us collectively. Remind us of your goodness. Remind us 
if by chance we can't think of a single thing right now to praise you for, remind us of what you're going to do for us to cause our hearts to just pour out in praise for how you're going to deliver us from all trouble. You say you're taking us to a place where there'll be no more tears and no more sorrow. We thank you for that. Thank you for the praise from your people today. May you receive that praise and be glorified in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Isn't God good? Amen. The Psalms were written that we might give expression to our heart in words and in song and express them privately and publicly and express praise to God. It says, oh, give thanks to the Lord. For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. The Psalms help us express praise to God by reminding us of truths. You see what happens is when we live, as we go through our life here, we go through so many things and so many experiences that it's easy to get caught up into ingratitude, into anger, into life itself, just the regular things of life, and forget the goodness of God. And so we have to refresh, we have to remind ourselves of who God is and what he's done. And so this psalm does that. It rehearses for us. I thought that before we go into this week of Thanksgiving, to emphasize the thanks of that, to emphasize that our hearts of praise and worship to God. I hear sometimes when people give thanks, they almost forget who they are thankful to or who they give this thanks to, who they give the praise to. God is the object. He, he, is the, he is the one that receives our praise. The Bible says in everything we are to give thanks. We may not be thankful for everything. It may be something unpleasant in our lives that, that we don't feel good about or we don't like, but we're thankful in it because of God who carries us through it. We're thankful to God for all that he's doing on our behalf. Shame on us when we don't think we have anything to thank God for. The fact that we can even reflect, that we can breathe in and breathe out, that we're still alive to consider the things that God has done is simply reason to give praise and thanks to him. He's given us another opportunity to experience his grace, his power, his love, his mercy, his goodness. And 
He's given us cause, if, if not anything else, he's given us cause and reason to long for his presence all the more. You know, when you're in pain, when you're suffering, you're longing for God. And the fact that he can fulfill that longing is something to give him praise for, even during your times of hardship and suffering. As we look at this, it is poetically stated, and psalms are often that way because they're poems and they're songs. And so I want you to notice a pattern through this chapter. It's, it's a lot of verses, but it's a pattern there. It starts off with, with this, this proclamation, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to God. It's, it's like I am thankful for a lot of things, but, but my thanks goes to God for those things, right? I am thanking God for what he's done in all these things. Give thanks to the Lord. And that first principle of who God is, is one thing is that he is good. Now it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. In other words, it's those of us who acknowledge and recognize and have experienced God's goodness that can come and, and let that praise be known. Praise is contagious. And when someone explains or, or bursts out in praise, it's kind of like a, a coal and a fire that catches on with others. Complaining is contagious too. It's like the, 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 the water that, that puts out the fire so many times. But it can't extinguish true praise. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. Gathered in from the lands and from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. I was watching yesterday a movie about the Holocaust. And I saw the deplorable things that were being done to Jews. And what it did to them. But at the end of this movie, it just showed them like in a recovery from this. And, 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 and it made me think about this verse. In verse 3 it says, he gathered them from the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. God was taking his people, his people Israel, which really simply is a picture of his spiritual people, those who will come to faith in Christ through the Lord Jesus Christ, how he has taken us from every corner of the world, from north, south, and east, and west, and are bringing us together, not geographically together because we're spread all over, but we're one in spirit because of what God has done. And pretty soon, or one day, we're going to be geographically together. We're all going to be in one location. We're looking forward to that. Now, here's the pattern. It starts in verse 4. Some wandered in desert places. So it starts, it's four parts to this pattern, and it's repeated one, two, three, four, five, six times that I see. 
The first part is the sum. It starts with, actually literally starts with the word sum. And it describes the experiences or the different experiences of different people who have come now to praise God. And what's so interesting is that is that we have different experiences. We've come from different settings and different things that have happened to us in our life. But all those things have brought us to this point of worship and praise. And he talks about the experience that they had. And then the second part of this pattern is, is exhibited in verse 6. Then. Some experience these things. Then they cry to the Lord. No matter what they experience, it, it, it brought them to a desperation. And in that desperation, they cried out to God. Then the third part of this, he delivered them. He delivered them. You see that in verse 6? Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them. And then the fourth part of this pattern that we see repeated throughout this chapter is in verse 8. Let them thank the Lord. In other words, because they've experienced this, whatever unique experience they had, it caused them to cry out to God. Then God answered and responded and delivered them. It says, because of that, now let them thank the Lord. In other words, don't forget to do that part of it. Make it a purpose that you do to actually audibly, out loud, praise God. Let's see how this pattern goes. The first part is some in verse 4. We see that repeated in verse 10. We see that repeated again in verse 17 and again in verse 23 you see that there so verse 4 verse 10 verse 17 and verse 23 let's read it some wandered in desert waste finding no way to a city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. It's the experience of those in their trouble. It says they wandered in desert wastes. It sounds like the experience of Israel wandering in the desert in some ways. It says they were hungry and thirsty. But it very well could be the experience not of them coming from Egypt, but their experience in the land of Egypt where they were beaten down as slaves, where they labored hard and, and, and were mistreated. It says their soul fainted within them. And then it says, the second part of this, verse 6, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. The good thing is no matter what kind of trouble they were in, they could cry out to God. God was there available for them. They cried out to God, and he delivered them. It's the third part 
of this pattern. He delivered them from their distress. It says in verse 7, he led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Verse 4, excuse me, verse 8, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Second part of the pattern, verse 16, verse 10, I'm sorry. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God. In other words, some of our trouble is partly our own doing. Some of it is. Now, some trouble we find ourselves in is just the mess of sin and the impact that it has on us. We pray for individuals who go through hardships that they may not have caused themselves. It's just something that is in their path and on their journey. And that happens to us. It can be because of sin, but not necessarily our individual sin, our personal sin. Things around us that affect us. We're praying for a family now that's experienced the death of a loved one. In this case, it was the death of, in the suicide of a teenager. And how do you comfort a family like that? Family here that's related to them and going through that whole experience. And in that case, you're affected by what someone else has done. The act of suicide is itself wrong and sin, but it hurts so many people who remain, who have questions to ask and, and wonder what's happening and what's going on and how, how do I deal with this? And so that part of that trouble is, is just is, is the, the trouble of life and the results and consequences of sin, in this case, someone else's but it's still pressing and a burden on individuals. But in, 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 in verse 10, it's the trouble that has been brought on by one's own wrongdoing. Because it says in verse 11, they rebelled, they had rebelled against the words of God. In Israel's history, you can look at the book of Judges and you can see the pattern of the people of, of Israel, how they would stray away from God. They would turn away from God. They would go and worship other gods, and, and God would discipline them, spank them like a parent would spank a child. And after that spanking, they would realize that they had sinned against God. In fact, it says, verse 11, they spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. But in this condition, God used this to bring them to realize where they were so that they would cry out to him. And it says this, then, verse 13, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And here's what's interesting to me. 
their sin, is, their, their, their sorrow and, and their suffering is self-afflicted. But God still steps in when they cry out to him. And that's what we can thank God for. Even though we're in trouble often because of our own doing, when we cry out to God, he doesn't turn a deaf ear. He hears the cry of his people. So it says, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them. And he delivered them. And because of that, it says, in verse 15, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. Take some time out to thank God for what he has done. Verse 17, we see this pattern repeated. Some were fools through their sinful ways and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. Again, this is self-afflicted, isn't it? It may not always be that case, but here it is. That because of their wrongdoings, they suffer. God judges or disciplines, and they suffer. In fact, it says that very word. Because of their iniquities, suffered affliction at the end of verse 17. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. I don't know if that's because of their condition. They, they uh, uh, didn't have an, an appetite. And because of, of that condition, they were in trouble health-wise. Health and they were near death. But whatever the case is, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And what happened? He delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. And deliver them from destruction. Verse 21, now it says, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds and songs of joy. That's why we come together and sing and worship and, and sing praise to God. We need to express that praise. Don't just keep it in and don't just keep silent. Oh, I understand that, you know, we, we have various gifts and various talents and, and we might not think our voice or our song is, is something that, that we need to express out loud. But God is saying, no, praise him. Express your worship and your praise to him because he's deserving of it and he wants you to express that. And there's something that happens to you as you express that praise. You, 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 you stop focusing on you so much, me, 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 and I, 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 and, and my hurt, and you begin to focus on what God has done and how you should respond to what God has done. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. 23, another some. Some went down to the sea in ships doing business as on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. 
I'm wondering if this, if this psalm is, is people who are just carried away with their day-to-day -day activities. They were involved in some business that, that had them travel, and in their travel they were on the sea. But in the middle of that travel, a storm blew up. It just so happened, it seemed. But we know in, in God's work there's no such thing as just so happened because it's God who's directing that. Some of us get carried away in our own lives and in our own to and fro and our own busyness and, and we get distracted in all of that. And yes, that distraction is a sin because we're neglecting God and forgetting him and, and putting him aside. It's like my life is so critical and so important. It's all about me instead of recognizing, no, it's really all about God. My focus ought to be towards him. I get carried away. It's, it's strange to me when we have successes, we can get carried away in our success and forget God. Isn't that strange? The very thing that he has blessed us with causes us to, to, to get caught up in and distracted in. So many people have prayed to God for a job, and God gives them that job, and then they can't come to work, or come, excuse me, can't come to church because they got something important to do. I had individuals who've asked for prayer for healing, and I've seen God answer that prayer, even heal individuals of cancer, and, and they said, I'm going to come, and I'm going to worship God. And some of those aren't here anymore. And not just not here, but not serving God, period. And you want to ask them, didn't God heal you? Aren't you still walking around healed? The answer is yes. Why aren't you recognizing what God has done? Well, in this case, in verse 23, I think some are involved in their day-to-day -day activities, and God in some way intervenes. It says, Verse 25, he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. Sometimes we get involved in our own successes, and it's not until we have to pause from that that we pay, start to pay attention to God or our need for God. It's like when the economy is great and things are going well and, you know, we can get that loan for that house and buy that house. We can get that loan for that car and we got that job and things are just flowing paycheck to paycheck. Investments are coming in. We, everything is great and, and, and we get so involved, so busy that God becomes like second place, and pretty soon he's third place, and pretty soon he's fourth place, and pretty soon he's just kind of like way in the back. So, you know, God, I haven't prayed to you because things are going so well. Things are, I'm just so busy in this. I'm so busy in that. I'm, it's like I said, I'm enjoying my blessings so much, I don't take time to, to recognize the hand who's giving me the blessings. So sometimes God touches that a little bit. Bring a little storm there. Just something to get our attention. You see, this, this chapter started off with we thank God because he's good. God is good. So we, we, we so quickly want to say, well, God, why did you take this good thing away from me? In other words, we're accusing God of not being good. But he is. He is. He doesn't want you to waste your time worshiping something less than him because that's not good for you. It's not beneficial to you. It's not for your good. So God stirs up the waters a little bit. In this case, he brought up a storm. 
It says, verse 28, verse 26, their courage melted away in their evil plight. It seems like what they were doing was just innocent at first, but anything that distracts and takes you away from God is a distraction that you should not be doing. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits end. But look at this. Verse 28, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. What does God do? That's why it says in verse 1, we praise him for his steadfast love. You know what steadfast is, 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 is a description of love because it's not fickle love. It's not love that, you know, you call up and one day it's there, but the next day eh, it ain't got time for you. It's steadfast love is, is how God's love is described. And so when his people call out or cry out to him, it says he delivered them. He delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet and brought to them their desired haven. All right? So the trouble is over, and we rejoice. We thank God for it. There's a lot of people, you know, one of the troubles that we've had recently is called COVID, right? And we, we experienced all that. We cried out to God, and, 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 and some have cried out. We see God answer. There's relief now. Are we back to serving God? Are we connecting back in our churches that we said we had to close and we couldn't go to anymore? But we were going to get back to them. Amen. Praise God. I'm preaching to the choir. You're here. You're here where we should be. But unfortunately, many churches have closed. Many professing Christians have stopped going to church altogether. They figure they can do it a different way now. They got a more convenient way to worship and serve God. They're looking for that convenience instead of serving God. So he's saying when God delivers, then what should you do? Verse 31, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. You know, we want to say, well, you know, God knows my heart. And I don't always have to express it. But you know, you actually show your heart, but whether or not you're going to express it. You ever give somebody something? And you're kind of waiting for them to say thanks. You're not waiting for them to pull out, you know, and send you money for it. You just want them to say thanks. And they get so wrapped up and so busy in what it is you gave them. And, and, and I know we've all have had this happen. We forget to say thanks. We forget to say thanks. And we think that's such a small thing. The Bible commands us, not suggests, commands us to give thanks to God. It's rude not to thank God. 
for, we, for what he's done. How do we thank him? Well, we ought to thank him with all of our lives. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he says that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength. Ain't nothing left after that. <laughs> he said, all you have belongs to him rightfully. That's what you ought to do. And in fact, not just what you ought to do, that's what you commanded to do. He says, that wraps up, that summarizes all of the Old Testament. All of God's law is that we owe everything to him. So does he look forward to us saying thank yes he does he commands us to have a thankful heart but to express that with a mouth that praises him not just in a heart that keeps silent but in an expression of praise why so that others can hear and know what you've done and so that you yourself can actually express what you say in your heart and practice that thanks. So he says in verse 31, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people. In other words, make it a practice. It's not a fake thing. Make it a practice of expressing praise amongst those who know God and if you practice that, then you are able to be a testimony to those who don't know God. But make a practice of that. Why? Because it is, it is contagious. It is worship. It is praise that goes up to God. And when one starts to do that, then others hear that, and they're reminded of God's goodness. They're reminded of their personal experience of God's steadfast love. And that praise goes out from them as well. Praise him in the assembly of the elders. Now look at these few phrases in starting in verse 33. He turns rivers into a desert. Now that's a negative right there. That's not a blessing. A river into a desert. Springs of water into thirsty ground. A fruitful land into salty waste. Why? Because the evil, because of the evil of its inhabitants. In other words, sin brings on God's curse, and we see it, and it experience, we experience it, but it is made so that we would turn to God. In other words, so that we'd be thirsty, we'd cry out for water and say, God save us. We come to God. You ever realize that your troubles are designed by God to draw you closer to him. Whether they are the troubles of life or they're self-inflicted from your own doing, it, whatever it is, is designed to draw you close to God. That, that's what it's there for. And then the second wave that says, verse 36, he turns a desert into pools of water and parched land into springs of water. And there he lets the hungry dwell and they establish a city to live in. In other words, he, he, he changes the curse into a blessing and he brings us there to, to drink from it, to take it in, 
to be blessed by it. Have you experienced that? Think about it. Have you experienced that? Have you seen where God has taken away something and you've suffered and it causes you to cry out to God? Have you also seen that God has blessed something that you could not change, something that you could not do in your own power, and he's made, he's made it abundantly so that it is a blessing to you? My greatest blessings are things that I could not possibly do for myself. I didn't have the ability to do. Beyond my control to change or to make happen. I realized, wow, that's God working in my life. He stepped in in a way that I couldn't possibly do it, and he's done it. And he says, now give me thanks. Give me praise. Verse 37, they sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruity yield. By his blessing, they multiply greatly, and he does not let their livestock diminish. God is blessing his people in tremendous ways. When they are, verse, 30, verse 39, when they are diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in the trackless waste. But he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. In other words, he, he takes those who think they don't need God and think they got all the stuff that they have and, and don't, they have no need of God. They turn their back on God. He makes them to, 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 to be needy. But then he takes his needy, his humble people, and he blesses them, enriches them and gives them things. Now the last part I want us to think about, verse 42 and 43. The upright see it and are glad, and all wickedness shuts its mouth. One of the things I long for is God's righteousness to rule and to reign. And we pray for it. God taught us to pray for it. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We long for God's will. Every time I, I listen to the news and I hear another account of, of the wickedness that's all around us, I'm like, Lord, make it happen. Change this land from wickedness to righteousness. Let your righteousness reign. And I'm reminded that it ain't going to happen here in this time. But he's going to do it in his own time. I'm looking forward to that. But every once in a while we see glimpses of what he's going to do. And it says when we see that, verse 42, the upright see it and are glad. And all wickedness shuts his mouth. I'm glad when God just shuts people up sometimes. 
and brings just a taste of his righteousness and his judgment. But here it is for us. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let him think about how God is working. Let us think about what God is doing. I'm reminded of Psalm 73, and it was such an encouragement to read that as a young man because um, the psalmist, I believe it's David there, he's expressing that he didn't understand why the righteous seemed to suffer and the wicked seemed to prosper. And I'd be lying if I didn't say that that makes me mad. That, that I did not, in fact, I do see that. I do experience that. We see it all the time and way too often. In other words, we live in a messed up, sinful world. I was taught as a little boy, you just be good and good things will happen. But I learned that that's a good generalization, but it don't always work that way. Sometimes the good are... They suffer for being good and doing what is right. That's the world that we live in. In fact, it happens more often than not. The example of that in, is, is Abel, the first uh, of, the, of, of the line of siblings of, of Adam and Eve. There's Cain and there was Abel, and Abel did nothing but good, did what was right, his brother hated him for it and killed him because of it. But he's simply a picture of Jesus. Jesus lived a sinless life, did not sin against anyone and against God, lived a righteous life. They hated him and wouldn't stop until they killed him. We see innocent people dying too often right now, not because of wrong that they have done necessarily, but because they're caught up in a wicked world that would destroy them. If you're like me, you're burdened by that. But that causes us to cry out to God and say, God, we don't see your righteousness always here in this world, but it's coming. You're going to make it right. You're going to do, you're going to turn this world upside down. You're going to bring righteousness to it. So it says the upright see it and are glad. When we get glimpses of it, glimpses of it we are glad. When God blesses his people, we are glad. When God redeems and delivers his people, we are glad. When God punishes the wicked, we are glad. When God judges them, we are glad. We rejoice. So it says, whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let's consider what God is doing and how he's working. I was referring to Psalm 73, and the psalmist was saying, hey, I didn't understand things when I saw the wicked prosper. Seems like all my life I would see that. I grew up in, in just a modest, I would say poor family. And um, I would go to school, and people would talk about my clothes. I was proud of my clothes. I was wearing a shirt that my older brother wore when, when he was my age. 
I was proud that I could fit it then. I'm glad to wear it. This is a family shirt. I go to a basketball court to play basketball. I wouldn't get picked, one, because I was too short. Two, because the shoes that I wear, they call them peace stains. Some of y'all old folk know what they mean. They mean they had cheap rubber that when you first bought it, it was white, but it was so cheap that it would take a few days, it would turn yellow. They had their expensive shoes on. I'm like, how can you be living in government-assisted houses, and yet you, you dress better than I am. You're on the school lunch program, and my parents is, is, is saving and scrimping to, to, to give me a bag lunch, and you eating better than I am, but you got more money in your pocket than I have. And you got it through gambling and cheating and doing all kind of illegal things. But I'm the one suffering. You know what the, the clincher was? <laughs> As a young man, the clincher was, the girls like that kind of guy. Like, really? You like the thug? Like, okay, cool. I don't like you either. I don't need you. I said, what's wrong with the world that we live in when you do all that you can and there's somebody else that seems to do it the wrong way, but they seem to have it all. But that's the world we live in. And, and the psalmist in Psalm 73 said, man, that bothered me. It bothered me a lot. And I didn't understand it. He said, until I came into the house of the Lord. In other words, he's saying, until he started talking to God, until he started to understand what God's word said, because, see, God's word is real. It tells us the real things about the life that we live in so that we can be encouraged. And so it wasn't until I came into the house of God, it wasn't until I opened up the word of God that I began to understand the craziness of the world around me. And I would have gone that way because it seemed to be the way that everybody else who, who wanted to have anything was going. And it, what stopped me was the word of God that said, Brian, wait. You can go that way if you want to. But let me just show you a picture of the end of that way. Jesus said, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there are that go that way. Don't get fooled by the crowd. Narrow is the way that leads to life everlasting. The truth is, if we're going to be like Christ, we're actually going to suffer like Christ. The world is going to hate us. They're going to try to kill us. Satan is going to try everything to destroy us. But here's the good thing. <laughs> I always thought that, that when you know, well, I was taught that when you, when you play sports, you shouldn't talk trash, right? You should be a good sportsmanship. But I think there's a certain amount of trash talking in the Bible. In other words, it's saying this, look, <laughs> I know where I'm going. And you can go that way, and you can think you, you are going to benefit from that, but I got the goods. 
I, I got the real life. I got what really counts. And even more than that, God has got me. And I'm content in him. Jesus set the example for his disciples. We're going to take a little break from Matthew. I wanted to do this, this part in giving thanks, and then we're going to go into a little series about the birth of Christ and what that means. And we'll catch back up in Matthew and after, in the new year, we'll catch back up with it. But one thing he's telling his disciples, he told them over and over again, I'm on my way to Jerusalem, and I'm going to suffer at the hands of those in charge, and they're going to kill me. They're going to crucify me, but I'm going to rise again. In three days, I'm going to rise again. He told them that so that they would know how the world treats you. First of all, that they would know his mission and what he was doing. They would understand that better. But they need to understand something about the purpose of God and how he works and how we are in opposition to this world. We, we're going against, we're going against the grain. We're going against the tide. And we suffer as a result of that. He doesn't want us to be delusional or deceived that we we are going to suffer. There are certain things that we're going to sacrifice because we choose to follow Christ. But he also wants us to know that all the sacrifices that we make are going to be well worth it. That's what I mean about talking trash. We can talk trash to Satan and say, you, I know where you're going. Do you know where I'm going? We can talk that to Satan. He's trying to destroy us and distract us from this path, and he's thinking that the suffering that he afflicts on us will get us down and have us to, to, to change or be distracted from that path that God has for us. But it won't. It won't. Because we're determined to follow Christ. And we know it's well worth it for what he has in store for us. So we give thanks, not because everything feels good or is fine even in our lives. We give thanks because we know God is in control and we know how it's going to end up. People are laughing at us and ridiculing us for the decision that we make to stay steadfast to God. But when we know the truth, just like Psalm 73, when I came into the house of God, when I understood God's ways, that in this life the righteous suffer, but they're rewarded in eternity because of what Jesus, the righteous one, has done. He has suffered for my sin, and he has gained my reward that I could not gain on my own. So I am thankful for all that God is doing and all his plan because it's all wrapped up into Jesus. It's all wrapped up into what he has done and how he, has, he, he is bringing out God's plan 
for my life and for all of eternity. So Christian, be encouraged. The waves and the storms won't necessarily let up, but God will give you strength to endure. He will encourage your heart in so many ways, and he will allow you to be victorious in the storm. He doesn't turn the storm off. He lets you rise up through it. He gives you victory in the storm. In other words, it's like Satan throwing everything he can at you, but God holds you in his hand. And he says, I got you, and you will be victorious. Would you take time out this week to thank God for his plan for you? He uses those various things. Some experience this, some experience that, but whatever we experience that brought us to our end and caused us to cry out to God, God heard and delivered us and saved us, and now we give him thanks. Would you take time to purposely thank God this week? Do it out loud. Do it in front of someone else. Tell them you are thankful to God for, and then name one or two things, a few things. I do warn you, once you start naming them, <laughs> it just flows. It keeps going. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We're going to pause in song now, Lord, to express that praise to you as a congregation. But we want to say thank you. We, we, we want to say thank you in the assembly here, but we also want to go out from this place and carry out that praise in our hearts and worship you day to day with a thanks that's steadfast because your love is steadfast. It doesn't end. It's not fickle. You loved us before we first knew you or loved you. And we thank you for that. We thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died and paid for our sin. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who gave us new life, who caused us to see Jesus for who he is, to see ourselves for who we are, and to come to him and to trust in him and to experience the eternal life that he has given us. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing as your gospel goes out. You're having your gospel to go out to others who need to hear that word and calling them to respond to you. Thank you for what you're doing. May we express that thanks daily, especially this week in Jesus' name.